Welcome to The Land of Aru, a fan cast of Carcerum the Series, presented by the American Council for the Blind, Sunday edition with Anthony, and supported by Shane Salk Productions. All right, everyone, this is In the Land of Aru, a fan cast on ACB Media 5, presented by Sunday Edition and Shane Falk Productions. And we have a great guest today, Tim, who is an audio engineer, uh, as well as sound effects designer. So we're going to be talking to him about his experiences on Car Serum, as well as the business. Let me just make sure, sound check, um, Shane or Tim, am I being heard pretty well? Yeah, I'm getting you uh, loud and clear. All right. So in a moment, we're going to go into episode three. Um, we've watched episode one, part A and part B, and episode two. Um, and we spoke with Dana Powers, Shane Salk, and Bill Holmes in our previous episodes. I'm going to be presenting links to those fan casts in the next couple of days, as well as this one. And you're going to be able to find In the Land of Aru um, on Apple Cup Podcasts highlighted as one that highlights good work within the disability field. So I'm really excited about that. And um, you know what? Without further ado, Shane, let's run the episode and we will get to talking with Tim in a little while. Here's Carcerum Episode 3. To listen to this week's Carcerum episode, click the link in the description. Well, folks, that's episode three of Car Serum brought to you by Sunday Edition and Shane Salt Productions. We are live on ACP Media 5. In the coming days, as I said earlier, you'll be able to access the podcast of In the Land of Aru, which is the fan cast version of Car Serum. And um, I'll be putting those links out. If you're listening on ACB Media and you have some questions or comments tonight, you can find the link to Sunday Edition in tonight's promo for In the Land of Aru or any of the other Sunday Edition projects that you see out there. It's all the same link. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Tim McEwen. Tim, welcome to In the Land of Aru, a Sunday Edition fan cast. <laughs> Thank you, Anthony. Thank you uh, for having me. So I have to start off by by fanning out a little bit. Um, the Haunting of Hill House and Terminator Judgment Day are two of my um, go-to projects. So um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your career and, and what brought you to the land of Aru? <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I just um, I've always been interested in you know, audio production uh, when I was you know, in high school, I played a lot of guitar and was really interested in music. Uh, so I got into, you know, uh, I went to school for being an audio engineer. Uh, I was interested in sitting in front of the big desk and just moving all the knobs and, you know, putting things together. And um, so that was like, you know, when I was in my, you know, right out of high school in my 20s, I thought, oh, I was going to be a recording engineer. Uh, but that didn't really pan out because the music industry completely changed with the uh with the, as you know the streaming and mp3s so i kind of had to make a just a pivot in a sense uh and got interested in um post sound for for tv and film and i knew that you know that that also needed to be mixed by someone and uh if, if i wasn't going to be a big time music engineer i might as well uh, thought there was a better shot for me to do uh tv and film and so that kind of that's what kind of brought me out to la from uh, the east coast and so, I mean, looking at the bio that Shane sent to me for you, you've definitely had some high pro, <clears throat> some high profile work, and you've worked with, you know, the big streamers out there, Netflix, Disney, etc. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm going to ask because I, I'm a huge fan. What was it like working on The Haunting of Hell House? That was a really fun project. Uh, I, that's when I was. Uh doing a lot of i was doing primarily foley work which is you know that's just such a fun thing in itself and uh working on that project was just uh yeah, it was so much fun uh, especially because um the team was very uh detail oriented when it came to the sound of things so it was uh it was fun to like come up with scary ambient you know sounds and then and since we're doing foley just finding the 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 right floor creaks yeah and all that kind of fun stuff so it was it was fun to play around and ha and help build like an atmosphere you know, an atmosphere that would be part of the overall mix yeah um you know first and foremost I mean the sound mix is incredible the the um um audio effects are incredible and 
and some awards were won based on that. So, I mean, I'm sure you're very, very proud of that work. What, um, what's um, the hardest challenge about working on a series like that? Uh, uh, Carcerum or uh, Hill, Hill House? Let's go with Hill House first. We're going to work our way towards Carcerum. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah, uh, I mean, the biggest challenge of that is just com- is, is finding the right uh, sound that's going to um, get to, like, shine in the mix uh because you know you have where i were where we're doing the foley part it was kind of the you know it's this it's a supplemental stuff to the bigger sound design and it was just it was fun just to get to play and and come up with like what's what's a ghost sound like coming up the stairs it's it's not just up walking up the stairs but a little little like weight to it to make it sound scarier or like what can we do to to kind of help build the mood in certain places, especially about tension building, especially with heart stuff like horror is the, there's such important with the sound to be, to, to kind of put you on edge. So when, when the, the jump happens, it, it lands even better, you know, bigger. On a series like that, how many folks are working on the audio side of things? Oh, probably about, probably about 10, 10 people. You have a, uh, like a handful of, um, dialogue people taking care of the stuff shot on set uh someone taking care of the uh, adr uh when they have to bring an actor in to either change a line or fix something that might have happened on set and then you have um you know a foley team that was the three of us and then you have probably two sound effects people and then uh, a supervisor who kind of takes everything together and, and mixes it and uh and works with the director and that and you get that nice tapestry of uh, sound so before we get to to car serum what um what projects really stand out for you what what is um a project that taught you and you know and added to your craft and a project that just was so fun to work on that you'll never forget it uh probably the 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 project i'll never forget and it was a lot of fun to work on was this uh this another horror uh genre it was a uh, series for uh sci-fi channel called blood drive and it was very uh very campy very over the top the idea is that uh <laughs> uh it was a cross-country race of of cars and they all had to, they all uh ran off of human blood so there's <laughs> that's a and all so there's all these weird gadgetry and stuff and so that was just so just just that was a lot of fun because we had to we had to come up with a lot of just crazy sounds and it was that was a lot of that i'll never forget working on that um, the most recently, the, I guess the project I'm most proud of is, uh, this movie that's coming out in March called Moon Manor. And, uh, cause I was the overall, I, I did all the sound design, the mix. And it was, I was kind of the one man team because it was a low, low budget indie film, but it was fun to be the, and I learned a lot being the, basically doing everything at once where I was talking about. Haunting a Hill House has like a team of 10 people. I was all 10 people at once, which is challenging, but it was a lot. It was rewarding because it was a uh, really, really sweet movie. And I worked with some really close friends, but it did teach me a lot of every aspect of um, of putting a movie together as far as the, the sound sound mix goes. Sounds like a frying pan fire firework experience. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> So tell us what brought you to Carcerum in the land of Aru. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Shane and I have a mutual friend. Shane went to college with uh, a friend of ours, uh, Mike, who I was working with at the Folia place. Mike does a lot of the footstep walking. Um, and so he was, I think Shane is reaching out, looking for someone to do this, uh, do the final mix and mastering of this uh, big project that he ha- he and Bill Holmes uh we're about to tackle. I don't believe, I believe only the first episode was, or a handful of episodes were recorded, but, uh, you know, and I don't, I, maybe Shane had uh, designed the first couple episodes already. And uh, they were just looking for someone to, um, to mix this thing. And uh, they gave me a shot at a little uh, test scene, really liked my stuff. And I, uh, I really liked what I was hearing too, because it was nice to hear like, really good storytelling and, and good production audio wise. I mean, the, the, the uh, dialogue was recorded real well. So I was like, well, that's a, a whole thing off my plate. This, this is good. Well, re- well recorded audio will make my life o- always easier. And uh, so I just took a test for these guys and they really liked my stuff. Uh, 
we came came in, met them. They seemed to really like me. I really like working with them, and uh, just kind of just that's where it started. And then we just tackled this uh, amazing project of thirty episodes that I think the we just we just did it, and it was it turned out really great. And we're I'm very proud of the work that uh, we all we all put together. You should be. It's it's really really well done. So I'm going to ask you um, both in the COVID, you know, COVID nineteen and non COVID nineteen perspective, what was different about you know mixing a project like this? And again, I know you were doing it during the pandemic, so you can give us some of that as well. But just you know, a project like this in general must be different from what you're used to. It yeah, I I mean usually I'm I'm working off of a picture guide, so now it's you're you're doing a lot of other thinking of like where would this be? So that you know, there's that whole aspect of it. But uh to go back to the COVID thing, this is it was very uh interesting. because um, typically in the past, uh it's nice to have the director and the writer and whoever's kind of making who's helping the creative system is to be in the room with you because that way we can you can work real time as in mixing things or like oh you bring you know could you maybe uh, move move the music this way or turn the music down a little bit we're in the in the land of covid uh we would uh, do things remotely and uh though i will give it to shane he did set up uh tech technical wise where i could could stream my mix to to Bill and Shane, and we could do notes kind of real time. But ultimately, I would I would have to go back and then fix everything. So it just kind of made things a little slower in the, as far as um, timeline goes. Because in cases I would shoot out a mix, they would have to listen to it, review it, come with the notes. We do a note session, then I do it again. Hopefully, I address all the notes. If not, I have to you know. So there's a lot of like back and forth as opposed to doing like a day of just sitting in the room together all of us making the decisions and then by the end of the day we have uh, a finished product so it just kind of was just another step in the in the process of doing a mix did you worry at all that you know there are no visuals to accompany this so you know your job here was doubly important because you know you're helping them build this world that's being created and you know if you don't do the job up to par or you know to to what they're looking for they're not going to get the world that they're looking for yeah i mean that's it's it was a huge challenge and it was it was very fun because yeah you're right it's you have to rely solely on the overall soundscape because we want we want to paint pictures with sound and um so i took this very seriously and and also but but taking all my skill set and all my knowledge from you know theatrical and 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 TV st- uh, way to build. You want to make it f- feel like a movie, but without the pictures. And so I analyzed a lot of what what a movie sound like. It's like okay, make sure that there is background sounds and there's all these little nuances because you might you know you would see someone move around, but you'd also think don't you. You tend you don't tend to think like oh right if they're moving in a suit of armor that's gonna well suit of armor probably yeah you expect the all the clanging and banging, but um. You know, if, uh, if subtle things of just like even just like a hug or uh, any kind of slight movement, especially in a very tender moment, you want to bring the, the listener very close into that, like, you know, soft moment because it helps build the overall feeling of, of this of the scene you're trying to, to convey. Without giving away any spoilers, are there any scenes where, you know, when you were presented with the material and, and they gave you sort of the outline of what they were looking for, you were like, you said to yourself, oh my God, how the heck am I going to actually do this? And then, you know, got to the finished product and said, wow, I didn't know I had that in me or, or I never expected it to be this good or something to that effect. Oh man, probably later toward, later in the series, uh, when we get to uh, an arena, there's a bunch of arena scenes that were, you know, now we're having to build crowds. Uh, I'm not going to give much spoilers away, but there, further down the line, there's a, there's there's an event with it. We we need to fill a, a stadium full of people. It's like, oh, okay, how are we going to do that? And on top of that, um, the the monsters. The monsters was the big. How are we going to make something that, you know. <laughs> Shane and Bill will give me an idea of what the monster's doing, and it's like, okay, so it's gonna be there's a flying element, but then it's there's another element of how many feet does it have. So it's that, that was definitely probably the biggest, like, okay, 
how am I going to do this? And then at the end, when I listen back, I'm like, oh, I, I'm really proud of what that sounded like. I think I think that's what it, that should sound like. And especially with fantasy stuff, I mean, that's the biggest thing. We're, we're making up characters, so how is, how is something I don't know what it looks like, how does it sound? And, and, and by doing how it sounds, we're hopefully giving every, each uh, listener an, their own idea of what, it's, what it looks like. Um, just for our listeners out there, uh, you know, this is the American Council of the Blind. So we have, you know, anything from very high partial down to no vision at all. Um, are you are you familiar with audio description for movies and television? I am. I have uh, had some weird uh, actually uh, default where uh, my HBO Max started just was playing something and noticed like there's a voiceover of someone explaining the um, so and so stands up. Yeah, I'm, uh, that's a, a very new thing for me to uh, to discover. I, I, the reason I ask is because, you know, there's there's no audio description here, which is uh, our community is, is used to having, or at least a good bulk of our community is used to having, you know, with their entertainment. Um, so it's taken some of us a bit of, you know, going a couple of times and listening to the first couple of episodes till I guess our ears and brains are trained to to really immerse ourselves you, when you listen to the first couple of episodes after you had mixed it all, did you have the same experience where you had to go back, you know, more than once to really hear all the layers and to really fully get everything that was going on? Yes. Uh, yeah. That's a hard question for me to answer truly because I'm so, I really, I listened to the episode probably 15 times as during, through the mix, sometimes more. Uh, but that's, yeah, I guess that is interesting. If when I, I have listened, you know, go back and listen, I do, I think more, I have to turn off the critical brain of, Oh, I should have added this sound or I could have added that, you know, Oh, we could have changed this a little bit. You know, that's, that's kind of, fun. that's kind of where my brain goes when I listen to it. Uh, but I do think, yeah, a couple of listens does help get the overall texture of the, of, of each episodes. And how about, you know, were there any episodes or scenes where it, you were like a kid in a candy store, like everything I've ever wanted to do is here. And then you had to kind of peel back a little bit to make sure you, you know, you hit the right tone for, for that episode or, the, or that moment in, in, in the series. Uh, there's, there's a couple well, the, the, towards the end when, when, uh, when we ever get into big fight stuff, those are always, uh, difficult because there's just so much going on, but at the same time, when you get to listen to the final product, it's like, oh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, like the big sword battles or anything like that. It's like it's always daunting to begin with, but it's always. But when it all comes together, it it you kind of like, oh, I'm glad I'm glad that worked out, and I'm glad like the the idea of that fight is is coming through. Uh, and then there, um, there was one episode. Uh, I think it's episode six where I was uh, Shane kind of just let me. D- do the whole design from from start to finish and that was just a lot of fun it was a lot of a lot of fun to like build something like i think uh the most thing i'm proud of is the uh the the big castle big city wall door that i um built from nothing and that was that was a lot of fun to kind of just work on it's like all the all the working parts of of a big giant door opening and closing Nice. Um, I've got a couple more questions for for Tim, but I want to uh, remind folks out there that are listening, if you have some questions, especially about what it's like to work in the business or, you know, the series itself, please uh, join us using any of the Sunday edition links that you'll find out there and raise your hand um, and we'll come to some questions in a few moments. Um, I have asked everybody who has come on um, a couple of, you know, kind of fan out kind of questions. So I'm going to do the same with you, if you don't mind. and the first one would be, what do you consider uh, the greatest audio mixing? You know, is it Top Gun? Is it The Princess Bride? Is, you know, what do you consider the greatest audio mixing out there? Oh, that's tough. Uh, so, I mean, you have the big, you know, the big movies, like the big action films, like they always just sound great. Uh, but then um, I would say that there is something really beautiful and gets the point done with like uh the shining and, and a lot of what uh santa kubrick would do because of the uh using sound design yeah. to build tension and uh, like i say like and i do score um those those are really good and uh um so uh and uh yeah i think uh, also uh, saving private ryan has a ama- mate like amazing amazing uh sound you know sound effects like 
you talk about a scene that really pulls you in is that you know when the when they're all storming the beach into Normandy and like you they're going under the water and then coming out and then you're full in battle and so it's that that probably is an amazing amazing uh, sound mix. If you could have your dream project, what would it look like and sound like? Oh man, um, probably probably a big sci-fi space epic um maybe something in the star wars vein or or even i mean actually any kind of big science you know big side because that'd be a lot of fun because it's all making it's all about making sounds and i like big sounds especially i don't know i guess i get i really enjoy a big rocket sound um if that makes sense but just it's also you get to play with some stuff of like you know because there's no sound in space so you can play with like you know, like the movie Gravity, I really enjoyed the way that they did um, yeah. the the internal sound of the suit because that's all you're going to hear in space. So, so I think something like that, something that's not super all explosions, but it has a few explosions and some adventure, and then hopefully the story, the good dialogue too helps. You know, because it's it's worth watching or worth working on something when you actually like the story. Can you tell us um, maybe? creating a sound that would surprise the heck out of us you know like maybe an explosion is you know popping a balloon filled with i don't know maple syrup or something that would really shock or surprise us in in creating sound hmm. um <laughs> that's how i always get that question especially when i was working fully of like what's uh, uh i mean it sometimes it's just as simple as what you would expect it to be like balloon, a balloon pop for an explosion works great because it's, it has everything that you need in it or, um, you know, <laughs> uh, but like, you know, uh, just if you want a good blood and gut sound, uh, just take some, uh, hand soap and just, you know, squish your hands around. We use that a lot as far as, uh, you know, the gory, the disgusting visceral sounds. <laughs> wow. How about, you know, I have to ask, it's Carcerum. Uh, how about a sword stabbing sound? Oh, that's, uh, yeah. So melons are pretty good, uh, you know, or just any kind of, destroying any kind of fruit always is good for that, yeah, that stuff. Just, yeah, stabbing an apple can get a good uh, sword sound. And then just taking any kind of piece of metal and just rubbing them together to get the that met metallic shink sound. So that always helps, you know, that's... And it's always the thing that was like uh, with those kind of things. It's not just one sound. It's probably five sounds that, that make the overall, um, you know, design. Impression of sound. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you, you'll have like a gut punch for the in, impact, then some kind of high-end metallic thing to help to key your in to, ear to, like, okay, that's a metal thing. And then, you know, the, the gory, gushy sound, which is just wetness or just like squishing, squishing fruit can give you really, you know, if when you would tie that to what either tie it to a picture of something, you know, that makes you think, or if the context of like, Oh, this is someone being stabbed. And that's the sound that you would think it would sound like. So here's one I just thought of as you were, as you were talking, have you ever, you know, watched for pleasure a movie and cringed and said, Oh my God, I could do that so much better. Yes. You don't have to name the movie, but tell us a little bit about a sound yeah. that, you know, or a scene that really got you in that mode. I won't. I won't point. It. I mean, it's it's a couple of things. It's a handful of things that always takes me out of it. Um, bad ADR always takes me out of it, um, especially if it's like an off-screen exposition thing that that someone just threw in there because someone wasn't getting the story. That's a that's that always kind of throws me off. But then there's like stock uh, f um, sounds that kind of always you know tweak my ear. There's like a gate sound that I hear. Uh, I think everyone's used this metal like squeaky metal gate. And I, I'm a, whenever I hear that used, I'm like, oh, come on, guys. We can do better. We can. We have abilities to do better uh, gates. And um, the only one I kind of like slide and I always hear is it's the Wilhelm scream. But I think that's just, a, at this point, a, a fun thing that people like to throw in wherever they can. I don't know if, if no. people are familiar with that. But, like, it's a it's a stock uh, male scream from, I think, the the 30s or whenever, whenever sound started becoming part of the pictures. <laughs> and um we're you know we're big fans of spirit um so how much fun is it to create you know the the character of spirit knowing that it's you know it's all your work 
or or you know your mixing of of the sounds that are created for spirit i will actually probably hand a lot of that uh spirits personality to bill holmes because bill grew up uh, on a farm so he and he he was very particular about the way a horse acts and so is the uh, Shane and Bill would ha- would have uh, have to uh, just go over what a horse sh- would really sound like. I had a, f- a lot of fun just like you know getting because a lot of the times I think spirit stuff was was sent to me pre designed and then it was just a matter of putting her in the in the space. But I, I love the um, I love the personality that that came with spirit. Yeah, a little grunt, <laughs> a little like I mean she she had an opinion and it was really fun. It's fun for for those of us who who have guide dogs who rely on our guide dogs every day. That you know they're our, our absolute best friends, our companions, our lifesavers, our eyes. You know, but they each come with their own personality as well. And and it, in you know bonding with spirit through this work, you know, it, it reminds me of of some of the things that my guide dog does. And, and I'm like, yeah. yes. Um, last question from me, and then we're going to open up to to folks to see what they have for you. Um, if you were knocked over the side of the head or, you know, the genie popped out of the lamp and instead of giving you a wish, just said, I'm dropping you in Uru, um, what character would you, you know, who would you want to be in the land of Uru? Oh, I think I'd want to be Karis. He's just so lovable and, but also could always, de- he was just defend, you know, just a, I don't know. I, I, I he was, he, I just had a fondness for, uh, for Karis as a character. That, right. Um, I don't think you've gotten no, go that far yet. That far yet, but uh, but you'll 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 enjoy that character once 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 he comes along. And you'll come back later in in our um listening of this series and and talk some more about your work and and maybe by then we'll have some questions on. Oh my God, how did you do this? Or when we get to that gladiator scene, maybe um, you know, we'll really want to retouch. Hopefully, you'll come back and and talk with us again. For sure. Yeah. Um, Love to. All right, who's up first? Jessica Tomlinson. Hey, Tomlinson, welcome to the land of Aru. Hello. Um, first of all, I am so impressed by your body of work and so honored that you would grace us with your presence. I was wondering when you decided to pivot from music recording and mixing to the film industry and that brought you to LA what was your very first year in LA like and what kinds of things did you do or have to do and or how did you get your foothold ah that's a great Mm. question um so I moved to LA in like 2008 uh and uh I came uh, just kind of just on a whim, uh, just looking to change things up. And uh, I just started hitting the pavement and uh, answering Craigslist ads. And uh, from there, I met uh, this theater group, of all things, uh, that was doing a spoof stage version of the uh, the 1991 movie uh, Point Break, where we would pull someone out of the audience to play the Keanu Reeves character. Uh, And the person who was running the audio board uh he was a dialogue editor um for films at, at, i think at that time he was working a lot with um with uh, uh adam sandler's production company uh so just through there i just got lucky and i you know made someone uh met someone who was in the industry and just kind of it helped that i was basically working with them and because i just decided to answer this craigslist ad out of nowhere just because i needed to get a job uh, I was fresh fresh in LA and they just need to start working and since uh, I've done live theater uh, you know mixing I was able to jump in there and just by networking through him uh, he kind of brought me on and showed and kind of taught me how to do uh, editor you know sound editorial for film uh, and just from there just it's all about just meeting someone else and then making the connection and then and and holding on to those connections and and networking to get to the point where 
they you know they think your skill set's good they like working with you and then they give you a shot and then you work really well in that one job and then you network again and they try to find the next job and that's kind of how that's kind of how it worked and uh it ha has been working and i always i seem to always get my other job th through people i work with and as me and reaching out and just being just just being very just doing a really good job that is very important uh do your best and then uh be nice and people will uh, that will kind of carry you through because people want to work with people that they like like to be around any follow-ups jessica oh did we mute her back already um i don't have i did not all right uh who's up next uh phone number starting in 682 ending in 597 um, I have a, a few questions. First of all, where were you uh, born and where did you grow up at, at? And second of all, if you ever starred in any musicals or anything like that, have you ever thought about such musical as musicals as Broadway? or anything like that while you were in theater? Uh, I was, uh, I was uh, born uh, in uh, New Jersey uh, in 1981, so that makes me uh, 40 years old. Uh, I lived in, lived in Connecticut. What part of Jersey? Uh, <laughs> Just... oh, yeah, uh, Glen Ridge, New Jersey for like the first six years of my life. And then from there, I moved up to Connecticut, uh, where I spent nice. most of my life up until 2008, where I moved, where I decided to move uh, to Los Angeles. Um, as far as the theater question, uh, I, I I mixed a lot of uh, high school theater. Um, I never really got to uh, to the Broadway uh, aspect of you know not to those heights, um, but uh, you know I knew that that's basically my uh, musical theater. Uh, uh, history is uh, setting up sound systems for um, high school theaters and and community community theater and it's kind of like that's where I you know another place where I learned about just mixing audio and 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 about and the importance of balance of uh, you know voice and music and, and that, all that kind of stuff. Some of the live shows can be really challenging. I'm sure you know running that board. You've got to watch you know, for cues on the stage and things, you know, and it's not necessarily at, you know, uh, you know, 8.57, you're going to hit these three switches. And then at 9.02, you're going to, you know, raise this level or lower yeah. the, you yeah. want, you know, because it changes every night. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's, you, you're part of the show in a sense, because uh, uh, I, I know in, in, in the, in the Broadway scene uh, or when they're, when the show is fully teched out, like it's, it does, it is a point of where it's a lot of the stuff is so automated, but uh, I didn't have a lot of that pleasure of, of full automation. And you're just, yeah, you're, you're basically hovering over a button to hit a sound cue. And then an actor is going to go come on stage while another actor is going off stage to make sure you mute this, you know, it, you definitely, it definitely keeps you as part of the, um, the the production is because you are another member you're you're there making sure things are going off without a hitch because it's it's really uncomfortable when uh when you do miss that sound cue for an actor and they're just kind of you leave them hanging out to dry out there on the stage and you you feel bad for them and then, and then you you hit the sound cue real quick and try not to, <laughs> try not to ruin the whole production <laughs> <laughs> thank you Kalindra for that question Kristen who's up next you know, Anthony, right now I'm not seeing any others. All right. I'm going to remind folks again. If <laughs> All right. I heard two go up right away. But I'm going to remind folks one more time that if you hit any of the Sunday edition links out there, you're going to hit the land of Aru right now. Um, so if you have some questions or you want to compliment this fine, uh, this fine gentleman, please join us. Um, I'm not sure who went first. I heard both Byron and Jessica at the same time. So you know what? We'll just go with Byron and then we'll take Jessica. Byron, Hello. who is my executive producer, audio engineer, podcast editor extraordinaire, by the way. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, I guess, you know, I have a question. So when I first started um, <clears throat> editing audio, I was doing it for a volunteer internet theater group called Darker Projects. And um, I, I got to do a really simple scene, uh, you know, nothing crazy. There's just a coffee maker and some footsteps involved. And, you know, it was just sort of my first initial piece of audio and my question for you is what was the first thing that you worked on you know what did you cut your teeth on oh um well the first i mean i i guess uh, as, as far as this is the first thing of of it's of this kind of i've really done as far as um building like building scenes for just as, as like a radio play uh, but I, I, I really just started as just kind of helping, assisting, um, editing and cleaning up uh, audio for uh, uh, for film for film projects, kind of like an assistant uh, uh, capacity, uh, learning how to clean up uh, dialogue to make, you know, to play, make it so it plays, you know, take out any imperfections, stuff like that. Uh, the first thing I worked on was a movie called Into the Electric Mist. Uh, it starred Tommy Lee Jones and um, uh, John Goodman. Very independent film. I don't think anyone's anyone saw. Uh, but uh, anyway, that that's the kind of stuff I, I did. But as far as uh, the work I did on Carcerum, I'd say this is actually the first uh, project in this capacity that I've worked on. Like like this. It's uh, it, it was new to me, but I think I having the skill set I had uh, working in film and TV. I was able to kind of translate all those skills into the, into this and and bring that um, that kind of knowledge that knowledge uh, to to the show. Very cool. Any follow-ups, Byron? Yeah, um, I, I guess another question I have for you is like, um, what was the most difficult scene that you think that, you know, like where you're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to make this work? Uh, how am I going to piece all this together? Oh, <laughs> it, it definitely happens towards the end of the end of the series. Um, when things really, I I can't give I can't really talk about it without giving too much away if you haven't heard the series. But uh, there just become these epic battle scenes, and this and where it's just it's just so much stuff, and it's and it's and we're and we're trying to convey what's going on and follow the action when you have just a massive amount of sound coming at you and like and carving carving the dialogue and and what and what a couple actors are doing in like let's you know let's say a scene where you have almost like 10 people in one scene but then we're going we're bouncing from like you know partner to partner and making sure that I'm taking the listener along and they understand what's happening now and what's happening and so it's one I think when the when the when the the action gets so big. That's the those are the very challenging things, but they're the most fun. They are they tend to be the most fun to work on. Yeah, I'm sure like that that multi track session must have been huge. <laughs> it was it was pretty big. I, uh, yeah, I, I think my my template was about I want to say about probably 50, 50 channels, and then some episodes would get pushed out to like up to upwards to seventy uh, seventy wow. tracks. And that's a lot of, and then there's all, all then there's all the busing that goes to reverbs and and push, you know, which was a big part of, of the uh, the mix was to you know use use certain types of reverb to help put the the, the action in spa, you know spatially, whether it be indoors or like I said the arena. So just you know, and then just me just going out and, and playing around with different reverb modules to find to find that they were like if it happens and I'm like oh, okay yeah that that pulls me into into that world that's a that's something that i heard out in the real world that that i can that makes me think that way how much time you know approximately obviously but how much time does it take to fully build a, a huge battle scene oh i mean that could take a it could take almost a, a five days seven days to just because it can be just so much work uh to to to, to go through it um but uh, I think the longest it's taken me to do a mix was about, and that's not the design. The design part is is a whole 
that's a whole day. I mean, multiple days worth of work of just building the stuff. And then there's probably a couple of days at, once that's sent to me, there's a couple of days of I've had, I have to sit with it and, 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 uh, and tweak the sounds and make sure the levels are all there. So it could be up to, I mean, a, a really difficult, busy episode could be up to a week of uh, time just to, just to get, you know, that 30 minutes of, of audio, uh, you know, tightened up and ready for uh, broadcast. Um, I, I, I'm sure building a world like this for the first time, it, you know, were there moments where you kind of had to go back and redo some work because what ended up ultimately being what was needed for for the end product wasn't exactly what you originally started out. Um, you know, I know writing for, for instance, I, I'm a writer. So a lot of times I say this often that the story ends up taking over and, and then I have to go back and fix things because it isn't part of my original outline or where the writing ended up taking me. I have to go and tweak things that, that went earlier, either for foreshadowing, et cetera. So building a world like this, I've got to imagine there were a bunch of stops and starts. Yeah. Um, I think I think main a lot of the stops and starts uh, definitely came with the 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 monsters. I think um, you know making sure that they they sounded like you know because it's because it's so subjective. I think with with the you know what someone might have in their head of what you know what it's to sound like or does it sound because also the the big things you don't want it to sound like too fake or too cut like you i we want to believe that this thing is a vicious monster that could that's very scary uh so sometimes it's like oh okay i didn't, didn't quite like that let me try this thing or um yeah i would say probably the probably the loosest and were, were the the ones that would probably would have to I'd, I'd have to double back on and and think and like and rethink oh, okay let, let me let me do it this way you know i get to the end of the episode uh or do my do a listen through i'm like oh, let me change that or you know Awesome. Byron, any follow-ups before we go to Jessica? Nope. I think I've got all the questions uh, that I had. Uh, right. Thanks for being on, by the way. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. All right, Jessica. Hello again. Um, I have two questions. First of all, uh, following on the heels of what you were talking about, the time involved and the tracks involved you said probably 50 to 100 tracks in a big battle scene number one i'm just curious what kind of technical setup you would need to make that happen you probably have more ram than i can even put a number on and what kind of software do you use? Do you use Pro Tools or Reaper or something else? And then the second question I had was, what actually is involved in making dialogue editing work? And how how does one do that in the studio? Yeah, great, uh, great questions. Um, so I primarily work on Pro Tools. Uh, that's That's my editing mixing software. Uh, it's it's kind of an industry standard for uh, film and film and TV, so that's I just that's pretty much my primary um, DAW. Uh, it it does everything that I I need need it to do, and I and since I've been working on it so long, it's I know it, I know it in and out, um, and I find it has the it has it's really good for mixing. It's also a very good editor too. Uh, uh, but not, not to say that like Adobe's auditions good as well as um, as and uh, Logic is a good program as well. But that's that's better for uh, for music making. Um, but uh, my my setup is is pretty minimal. Uh, I'm just running off uh, an iMac um, through a through a, a, a Universal Audio um, rack. You know my in my in and out my interface the thunderbolt uh united uh united audio um apollo 6 so it's got uh i, I have the ability of uh four four inputs but i have like six outputs so i can do surround sound uh, i didn't do surround sound for uh, carcerum because it was, it was mostly going to be consumed uh stereo um so yeah that's the that's the uh, software that I use, and uh, the RAM isn't uh, as as crazy as you might think. It's only uh, I only have thirty two gigs of RAM, um, 
because with audio it's not as taxing as it would be uh, let's say video editing or d designing video games or anything that's really that taxing audio isn't super taxing like that so you can actually do a lot of stuff in um, in pretty much any DAW uh, when you get when you start getting into rendering uh, multiple effects like lots of reverbs or uh, if you do if you're using a lot of synth stuff to modulate sounds uh that's when that's when the processing starts getting taxed uh but relatively you can do what you could do what i did uh with not a lot of gear i mean in, in all actuality and that's what the the world of digital has is granted us is things have gotten a lot more streamlined and a lot more was what they call in the box where uh you're using all the the plugins virtually basically not a whole rack of uh outboard outboard gear like they you know not like the, the way it used to be where you would have tape and then you would send it to a effects processing unit sum it back into the board and then mix the on the board to then dump down to a uh, two two inch tape now all that can be done in pretty much i mean uh, the laptops are strong enough nowadays with the processing speed uh which is nice on that so it it, it allows more access to do the kind of stuff that uh that shane and i did for car serum uh, that's that's excellent and that also bodes well for accessibility um, I did uh, go to a one-year trade school probably 20 years ago for this. And one thing that I kept bumping up against is, yes, the racks and racks of gear look cool, especially the analog tube equipment warms up the sound. But those are a lot of interfaces to learn. And those are a lot of knobs with small LED screens that are very intimidating. So having things in the box also really works well for accessibility too. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree. Uh, and, yeah, and it, it was good to, because I, I went to school too uh, 20 years ago for, you know, so yeah, I, I, I totally sympathize with the being intimidated with the rack. And it is, it's nice though to, um, I, I appreciate to know all that stuff because it gave me the, um, the idea of, or let me know what signal flow is. And now I can jump onto Pro Tools and, and do the, the more, when it gets a little more in, involved with the whole routing and busing stuff out. But uh, yeah, I, I do think the accessibility of having everything in the rack and, and you can play, gives you a little more freedom to play around with stuff too, I believe. And our Jessica here has an incredible voice and, and is a pretty damn good musician. So Jess, do you have any musical, um, you know, in the music genre questions for him before we see if there are any other hands? Well, thank you. That, that pretty much answered my questions. And just to echo what you were saying about um, how the actual real racks help you understand signal flow when you set up inputs and outputs on a digital uh, software program. When you set your track inputs, I close my eyes and I see patch bays in my head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so just a comment actually. So thank you right. so much for being patient, answering all of our questions. Oh, you're very welcome. No problem. All right, Christy, how many more hands do we have? I don't see anything new. <laughs> All right. Well, then I'm going to throw um, it over to um, our background, um, Kevin slash Shane. Um, is there anything that we should know um, <laughs> about the audio mixing and the, you know, the building and designing of this world? Um, is there any banter back and forth between the two of you, you and Tim, um, before we say goodnight? Uh Tim makes everything I do sound better, and yet I take credit for all of it. So that's that's the position to be in. <laughs> all right. Well, Tim, thank you so much for sharing you know, your stories, your expertise. Hopefully, you'll come back later in the series so we can go, damn, man, how did you do this? And how did you do that? And this is so cool. Um, this has been great. And um, we will be back next Tuesday with episode four. I don't know who the guests will be yet, but um, I'll be putting it out there as soon as Shane lets me know. Um, any final words that you want to say to the folks out there? I, I just want uh, to thank you for having me, and this is, this is a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I, I would love to come back and, and talk 
uh, talk about an episode that was that would you know seem very uh, crazy. And if you have questions about how I did that stuff, I'm sure I can I can make something up. well thank you so much shane as always thank you i will be in touch the next day or two and this has been in the land of arul a car serum fan cast brought to you by sunday edition and shane salk productions shane real quick before we go off air tell them where they can find um you and um and the rest of the series if they want to check it out Absolutely. So you can go to carcerumtheseries.com. That's C-A-R-C-E-R-E-M, theseries.com, and find all the information there. That's also where you'll find a tab for this show that we're doing now, The Land of Aru. You can listen to previous episodes and, uh, and just get information on the podcast and subscribe on any podcast platform that you like at carcerumtheseries.com or in any place that you find uh, your podcasts. And there's a link that they can send you a direct email if they want to tell you how fabulous and amazing this is, right? Yes, there is. Uh, if you go to that website, you can, or you find us on any social media at Carcerum the Series. But if you go to uh, carcerumtheseries.com, there's a contact page there. If you go to the Land of Aru tab, you can also throw something in there to ask a question if you want to hear... Uh, a question on a show you can't be in the audience for or just reach out anytime. All right. Awesome. We'll be back next week. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. To listen to this week's Carcerum episode, click the link in the description or search Carcerum, C-A-R-C-E-R-E-M, wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is a recording of a live show presented by the American Council for the Blind and Sunday Edition with Anthony. If you would like to be part of the live show, please follow at Carcerum the Series on social media or join the ACB mailing list by sending an email to community at acb.org. Also, be sure to check out the podcast Sunday Edition with Anthony on your favorite podcasting platform. For more information about Carcerum, go to carcerumtheseries.com.